The fantasy football season is almost here, meaning it's our time to commit. We highlight our all-in selections tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Cause I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your style line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. I'm trying to avoid getting carried away, with the chest sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves, like they seen every play, so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law, with only one thing to do, I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line for you, but they don't Just one thing to say, yeah, they don't know. Something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green. It got me fading between. Yeah, I got it. And I got The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right. It is August 29th, 2023. The In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast is back with you for what is a simply sensational stretch of the year. We are in the final week of fantasy football drafts. We are just around the corner from real football happening as well. And it's also cut day around the NFL. We'll certainly chat about that as many players' livelihood just went out the window It sucks. We wish them the best, but it is the cycle that is professional football. This is probably my favorite episode of the year because on the agenda, in addition to cut day here, folks, we have our all-in selections. This is where we lay it on the line, our reputation. We are talking players that you need to be drafting this year and that we want to leave our drafts with if we haven't already. I'm Seth Wilcock. I am coming from you live in the Pennsylvania countryside. And I'm joined by my colleague, who is nominated for awards for this shit. He knows his stuff. He would take a freaking bullet for Pete Carroll. He is Munder Difflin, Scott Rainier. Scott, how are you doing, man? Where did the time go? We're already here at the All-In Selections. We are already here, and I swear it's always right around now. I'm like, man, I had all these things I was going to do in the offseason because I had so much time, all this research. I mean, I've done plenty, but like, and now I'm like, nope. It's it's in season time. So I'm doing great. Um, it's our first kind of gray, rainy day there we in go. a while. And so, which to me today, walking around just the darkness of the house as I was working from home, it's just more of that atmosphere of like, oh, football's here. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to do maybe get some all-ins correct this year for the first time. That'd be great. But, um, but yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. On the on the agenda today, guys, we have front and center. We're going to talk cut day, JT news. Then we're going to get into some from the form. That's our mailbag segment from our sponsors over there. And then our all-in selections. Eric Romoff, our other co-host, will be joining us for that as well. We're going to get Eric's takes. And also joining us tonight, the magic man, the man behind the curtain, Kyle Scott. Kyle, how are drafts treating you so far? Is it feeling like fall yet to you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's not quite feeling like fall, but my drafts, I'll tell you what, we are 
three days and five rounds into the IBT <laughs> league. So they're going slow. That's how I would describe it. Slow and steady wins the race, baby. That's always IBT. That's always IBT. Uh, also, in tonight, we have the IBT family, and we want to thank this group of people so much. They are the reason we are here each and every week, the reason we can do this. Uh, we got Toronto Dave in the chat. Sup, studs. Love y'all. Love you, Dave. Thanks for making us part of your Tuesday, man. It's- we got Wendy in the chat as well saying, hey, y'all. Hey, what's up, Wendy? Thanks for coming tonight. We got Katie in the chat. She's ready for a good show tonight. We got Albert here as well saying, good evening, IBT. Good evening to you, Albert. Thanks so much for joining us, my man. Um, hope everyone's enjoying the end of summer, man. Like this is really one of my favorite stretches in the season or in the year as a total kids. They're back in school, college football. We got a slate this weekend, Scott It is a sensational time to kind of lock in here. And before we jump in, we just want to remind everyone, if you guys are new to the channel, if you guys like our kind of shit, go ahead, subscribe, come back, hang out with us again. And if you have been here before, give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the chat what's going on tonight. That helps us continue to grow. It helps other people continue to find our content as well. Um, but enough about us. We got some football to talk about, Scott. So let's start it out with some front and center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do. Give it a chance, you'll be begging for more. Save the spot just for you. We're all somewhere in between. I thought you come to the place to have some fun. Ain't gotta worry about something not what it means. Come and give me another cause the night is young. At least I so thought. This just in. Breaking news. Front and center. All right, so before we get to cut day here, Scott, I want to talk about some Jonathan Taylor news. Indianapolis Colts do not find a deal for Jonathan Taylor. He's expected to remain on the PUP, the PUP list, for the first four weeks of the season. And it's a great time to take a question here as well. We can kind of parlay in this. We got our guy, Jairz, over there on Twitch saying, with the Taylor news, would you guys suggest picking up Deion Jackson? So let's talk about this fallout here, Scott. What happens in the Colts' backfield? Let's start there. Um, do you think this ever gets worked out? We see JT at all. Who should we be picking up? And then let's talk maybe about where we're still targeting JT in drafts. Um, well, I mean, obviously this news is super fresh. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't realize until a few of the a few of the guys tweeted out earlier today that if he wasn't, if they didn't take him off the putt by like 1 p.m. Eastern time or 4 p.m. Eastern time, that he was going on the pup for at least four weeks. I didn't even really realize that. Um, I mean, I've known that Jonathan Taylor is a risky, you know, a risky player at this point, right smack dab in the middle of a redraft season. Um, but I didn't really realize that. And I was telling you before the show, I almost picked him in our IBT league. Um, and the ne- very next person in our league picked him. And I'm very glad I dodged that. Uh, but as far as the immediate fallout, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like Evan Hole, rookie running back, is getting a lot of hype. Um, Western baby, big 10. Yeah, I've seen, I've you know, I've seen different people. I haven't done a lot of analysis on that particular guy. I mean, Deion Jackson came in and made a little bit of noise uh, when JT was hurt in the past. Um, and then you got Zach Moss just kind of somersaulting around there somewhere uh, <laughs> for the Colts. So it's a little bit messy. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's a show made of feces with jo- Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it's, I mean, what is going on, but um 
I think Deion Jackson is worth a speculative ad if if you can. Um, I mean, in my dynasty leagues, I added Deion Jackson and Evan Hole if I anywhere he they were available. Um, in redraft, I mean, you know, now we know. So if you haven't done your draft yet, you know, you know that now there's there's a couple other running backs that probably weren't on your radar before that are there now, but they're still both late round guys. Who would you prefer, Hall or uh, or, or Jack? Where are you going there? Um, I mean, if I'm drafting today, I honestly would probably, I would probably take Hull just because he's the rookie. He's more exciting. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I don't mm-hmm. really have much rational thought behind that. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't a, this isn't really a scenario where, uh, some backup is going to strike it rich in fantasy football. Like we have in some other locations. Um, they also very easily could sign. There it is. They could sign Kareem Hunt or, you know, Leonard Fournette still out there. I guess I'll say somersaulting around. I guess that's my <laughs> Um So it's, it's hard to tell. But, you know, it's like all offseason, we're like, well, let's just see what happens. Well, we don't really have that luxury anymore because so many drafts are happening right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's great analysis. And if you guys want to take the shot at the end of drafts or if you already drafted, I think you should be adding the speculative Colts running back because there is a point that – Maybe JT doesn't come back at all this season, or maybe eventually he does get traded later on in the season. There's a lot up in the air here. I am taking the shot on Kareem Hunt here at the end of redraft. So I'll be I'll be honest with you, Scott. Um, I'm in a in a league right now where I have a co-owner, and I said last pick, like let's take the shot on Kareem Hunt. We'll figure out our defense before week one. So if you guys are fading kicker, fading defense. That's kind of a good strategy. I know like sleeper leagues, they don't make you take those positions. So so add a cream hunt at the end of your drafts. Pick them up if, if you've already drafted as well. So yeah, I, I think those are all great questions, guys. Can I say with 100% certainty that cream hunt lands there or that Evan Hall or Deion Jackson breaks out? No, but they're worth a speculative ad. 100% there. Uh, we got Jamie in the chat tonight. What's up, Jamie? Good to see you, man. He's saying... I have Evan Hall in 13 dynasty leagues. So 50% of my leagues drafted him in the fourth when I could. Good on you, Jamie. Yep. Good on Those you, man. Are the people I... that are excited right now, the people that, cause he would have been a, you know, a later round rookie pick. Um, I mean, I was intrigued by his, you know, I watched a little bit of his film, but I was intrigued by his, his statistical profile, you know, but it just, it, it, it wasn't realistic to expect him to get high draft capital. And you know what I mean? So that's why he fell to the, the latter end of rookie drafts. But yeah, if you grabbed him, you're excited. He is someone who stuck out the senior bowl as well. That's kind of mm-hmm. when I think he got a lot of hype in the community. We had a lot of great content creators and analysts down there. Um, so yeah, keep him on your radar. Scott, in one sentence, where are you taking JT and redrafts now, knowing that yeah, I just saw your eyes light up. I don't know. Like I really like I said, I just I wasn't aware of this scenario. I maybe I just missed something at some point. I've been busy but I haven't really had time to digest it yeah. and figure that out. You know, okay. You know, it's similar, I guess, to Kamara. Kamara is three games, you know, Taylor is four games, you know, I'm not comparing them as players, but it's a, it's a similar time missed. I would um, say then, sixth or seventh round, right? Is that, is that kind of, what yeah, I mean, that's just the thing. And, and I mean, you know, in redraft, it's just so tough because it's right now it's, it's, it's all happening right now. Like I, I can't, I can't spend a higher a higher draft spot than that, in my opinion, um, to wait and hope that he plays in Indianapolis after four weeks. You know, 
Can we play? So quick, I'm quick? I'm I'm likely unless it, he just tumbles. You know what I mean? I'm likely just not going to have any of him. Let's play a quick name game. Sure. Uh, I'm just going to throw them out there: Cam Akers or Jonathan Taylor. Um, at this point, Cam Akers. J.K. I don't Dobbins. I really like Cam Akers that much, but probably Cam Akers. Okay, J.K. Dobbins. J.O. Dobbins easily. You've been low on Damian Pierce all offseason, Scott. What I'm about still, him? I'm I'm coming around just a little bit on Damian Pierce. I want everybody okay. to like. I've bumped him up a few spots. I've had to kind of look inward and make sure I'm not suffering from some take lock here. Mm-hmm. So I've but moved him up a little bit. But I just think no. I mean, with him, you know, you can't predict injuries for anybody. So if Pierce stays healthy all year, then I want I want Pierce. Okay, last one. This is where it gets tough. Javante Williams. Williams easily. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Some some strong conviction. I've got Javante and JK in my in my top 20, both of them. Um, and for me, Taylor moves outside the top 20 with this. Okay. All right. Great analysis there. Let's talk about cut day, Scott. And this is something that is so it's tough to talk about, man, because like this is their livelihood. But at the end of the day, it's kind of at the same time what makes the NFL pretty special in that only 54 people can be on an active roster. And it's the cycle of it, man. But, you know, we've seen a lot of good players get cut before, and they're right back on an active roster later this year or next year. They're going to make it in the NFL. We've seen it. Alan Lazard, James Harrison, like Austin Eckler. There's so many undrafted free agents. Brock Purdy, almost undrafted, you know? So uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about some surprising cuts and it starts with Colt McCoy in Arizona. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on this, but this felt pretty ridiculous, man. Colt McCoy is a veteran. He d- did not look good in preseason one bit. Um, but basically they do kind of almost a draft day situation here. They trade a former first round pick Isaiah Simmons for a seventh jo- uh, Josh Jones, who's a really good offensive tackle for a fifth. And then they trade a fifth to go get Joshua Dobbs. So, a big mess here in, in Arizona Cardinal land. And to me, it's like, I don't want any part of this team, maybe other than James Conner now. At one point, like, I didn't mind, like, fucking, and, fucking with and kicking the tires on Hollywood Brown earlier this offseason. I have him in a lot of best ball lineups, and, like, I think he can still be advantageous in that format when you don't have to pick and choose to start him. But I'm, I'm scared shitless of this whole offense. I want nothing to do with it because I know it's tank for Caleb Williams or Drake May coming up. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if you just do a quick Google search, it's uh, the speculations there, like just, uh, you know, as far as them potentially tanking by releasing, you know, likely the most competent quarterback or at least the most ready quarterback. Um, yes. I mean, you know, the, the trade for Joshua Dobbs gets all the hyenas and dynasty frothing at the mouth, suspending a bunch of fab. Oh, my God, a potential starting super flex. <laughs> starting quarterback is available. Um, but I'm I'm. I'm agreeing with you. Like the only consistent things I might, you know, I mean, Hollywood Brown's going outside the top 24. So I, I, again, I might kick the tires at that price. Um, James Conner still to me is a value where he's going as, as a running, you know, he's a running back. That's going to get a majority of the volume. That's how I see it. So that, you know, if he's going towards the end of the RB twos, that's a value to me. So I would, I would still be looking at James Conner. You know, especially if I start off in his, like a zero wide wide receiver format. Um, but other than that, the only consistent fantasy related thing I'm doing with the Cardinals is playing the DST against them every week. 
<laughs> great point. Great point there. Uh, let's move on to some running backs here. S- some talented guys that have been cut. Demetric Felton used as that wide receiver running back role. Uh, big, big preseason DFS guy over here. I know you are, Scott. So uh, Demetric Felton helped us, but sad to see him go. And the, the one that hurts the most to me so far, Dwayne McBride. I have yeah, a, a shit one, ton man. of McBride in Dynasty. I love the landing spot. I talked him up. For sure. UAB guy, you know, I, I I think that's the issue sometimes with smaller schools is they don't face great competition. And McFarland even kind of looked like he had a little bit of a role on this team. They only have a couple of running backs on that roster. Maybe he's back on the practice squad. I'm not cutting him loose in Dynasty quite yet. I'm going to hold him for now. Um, but man, it, it sucks for the, the seventh round rookie there. And then our guys on a night. Damn, bam, wham, bam, whatever you want to say, man. It's it's downhill here for Zonvin Knight. I think we kind of saw this coming. But Michael Carter deserved a roster spot. Uh, obviously, they, they went out up and sp- spent very good money on Izzy uh, Bonaconda as well. Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall there. So just wasn't yeah. enough, you know, yeah. plates the, the odd man out. Yeah. Well, and with, Demi- with Felton, I mean, I kind of saw it coming once they traded for Pierre Strong. You know what I mean? Because he... Yeah, he, he he fits a similar role, except he can do a little bit more traditional running than than Felton, in my opinion. I'm still holding out hope for my boy Pierre Strong. We'll see. And talking about some pr- surprising cuts, what about up here in New England? The, the quarterback room, man, gets slashed. <laughs> there were people who thought Bailey Zappi could could challenge Mac Jones for the starting job. He is cut here in just the second NFL season. Then Malik Cunningham, who proved to be a fucking weapon in at least in the NFL preseason doing some different types of schemes. And I thought at least they would have a package for him, Scott, but looks like he's out the door as well. Maybe this opens the door for a Carson Wentz or someone like that to land here in new England. Or, or what do you make, what do you make of this? Cause this is very strange to see uh, the Patriots do something like this. Um, I mean, it could I just queued it up. So I just, while you were talking, I queued up on ESPN, the new, England, new England Patriots depth chart. You want to hear the quarterbacks? Uh, starter Mac Jones. That's it. <laughs> there is no other quarterback listed on their depth chart, depth chart right now. So I mean, I don't think it's even real, really just speculation that they're going to bring in a veteran or you know go go that route. They, I mean, they can't just have Mac Jones unless unless I'm wrong here and there's some other quarterback because they cut three quarterbacks today. Um, so yeah, that was surprising. Trace McSorley, I mean, Trace McSorley was oh, the yeah. other one not yeah, mentioned. Boy, My boy, our boy McSorley. That's right. <laughs> Um, it sort of reminds me of like one of the early episodes of Pulp Fantasy. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz, I don't, I don't know who it's going to be, you know, can't be Bridgewater now. He's, he's rocking number 50 with a different team. So, um, it's, it may, the other thing about cut day that always jumps out to me is I always forget how many people are looking, you know, vying for a roster spot Oh, because the cut lists are massive. So, oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. For, I mean, for some teams, they're not. But I mean, yeah, for most of them, there's a lot of people that 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 did not make a team today. So, um, you know, I mean, if anybody had any doubts of Mac, I mean, I didn't like. I'm no, not I, I, I've been taking Mac Jones late in Superflex. Like he's going at quarterback like he was going behind Trey Lance most of this offseason. Mac Jones was like for me. Matt, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big Mac Jones guy, but I'm not like I'm not me like either. saying he's terrible. He to me, he's a great like Superflex, you know, QB two. If you, if value, you kind of wait a little value bit. QB2. Yeah. 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 Like a Derek Carr. Yes. Yeah. I, I've been on the Mac Jones train just 
because of the value you're getting at QB 30, QB 32 sometimes in these super flex leagues. So keep an eye out on the kid from Alabama. Uh, last two here, Cameron Peoples down Carolina. I guess this isn't a surprising one, um, but he had a great career at App State. Go Mountaineers, baby. You'll be missed Cameron Peoples. Hopefully he finds a home on a practice squad. And then uh, Trey Sermon in Philadelphia gets cut after a really good preseason, actually, Scott. And I think the reason I bring this up is because your former Seattle Seahawk, Rashad Penny, lives. One more yep. day, baby. Penny's getting that check. Still messy. It is. No, I mean, Trey Sermon doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, there was a little bit of hype about Trey Sermon. And I will live on stream admit to the fact that a week and a half ago in one of my dynasty leagues, I actually acquired Trey Sermon off of the waiver wire. And then I promptly acquired somebody else and dropped him. But um, yeah, not surprising. I mean, like somebody had to go still doesn't necessarily make the Philadelphia backfield any clearer. Um, it's going to be some sort of committee, you know, I mean, if here's the deal, if like, if the word on the street is that Kenneth Gainwell is the leader out of the gate, then to me, that's even more evidence that it's kind of going to be a committee. Cause he's just, yes. he's not a three down back. He's never been a three down back. And to expect that all of a sudden to just change in the NFL to me, doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm still taking swift first in this backfield. I'm probably not going to have a lot of swift. No, uh, just, me either. I've now. Just, it's just one of those things, you know, I've done a lot of projecting and ranking this summer and, you know, the, just the running backs that are around him in where I have him. I just, I want them more. So probably not going to have a lot of swift. I got Rashad I'm, Penny on a dynasty team. I'm kind of stuck. It's not a great team. I made some <laughs> trades for some things and he's my RB too. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'd be holding my breath there. I, I, I've That's actually drafted a lot of Gainwell in the last couple of years or last couple of weeks. So I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, 10th, 11th, 12th round. I think you can look for Kenny G out there. Um, looks like we got some Rachel in the chat tonight. What's hey, up, Rachel. Rachel? Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you. Uh, Scott, cut day, man. It, it is in the bag. Uh, we wish all these people best of luck. Like I'm, I'm sure a lot of these people we're talking about tonight, they're going to find homes. And uh, those of you who do not, if you want to, you know, not get paid and, and come chill at IBT and talk about fantasy sports and lifestyle, hey, we might have a gig for you. How about it, Scott? Yeah, and one last shout out to a cut today. Our our good friend, who I'm assuming is watching, he probably watches every week. Jason Moore over at the Footballers. He was cut. He's a wide receiver for the Lions. He was cut today. So, sorry, Jason Moore. Better luck next time. R.I.P. All right, Scott. Let's jump into some. From the forum. If you're up, stuck, think about what to do. Here in between, we got advice for you. Back and forth all day, trying to pick the play. Let's hear what the boys here had to say. Presented by the Fantasy Football Advice Forum. All right, that's, so before... That's funky, man. I like that. I think it's our best drop we've ever We're had. Dancing honestly. behind the screen here. Yeah, it is fantastic. And before we jump into From the Form, which was uh, usually presented by the Fantasy Football Advice Forum, we have a little bit of a news break. We're doing some Big J journalism on the show. Um, I have loved the Fantasy Football Advice Forum since we got engaged with them over the summer. It's a great platform. And guys, I think it's about to get a little bit better. Check this out.
Yes, sir. What? That's right. The <laughs> Fancy Football Advice Forum is now the Fancy Football Advice Network or fancyfootballadvice.com. This is a platform where players and creators support each other. It's basically taking Discord, Patreon, Facebook, and Instagram and putting it all into one platform for fantasy footballers. This is going to be like this, in my opinion, is going to be the future of fantasy football communication. Um, it is a great platform. There's groups, there's leagues, cla- league classifieds. If you're trying to fill a hole in your league, like there are so much different things over there. Some great tools coming your way as well. So make sure you're checking it out at the Fantasy Football Advice Network, fantasyfootballadvice.com. You can use our promo code IBT for 25% off. Uh, congrats to Tyler, the whole gang over there, man. The rebrand looks awesome, Scott. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that. So that was a breaking news for me as well. Um, <laughs> do you know who do you know who did the music for that drop? I uh, no, I do not have I do not have the it sounded the like this band, it sounded like this band called Tobacco. I'm gonna have to find okay. out who it was. Okay, yeah, we'll put we'll put some feelers out, see if tobacco. No, that's band, that's that's awesome news. Like I agree. Like, I mean you know, social media, fantasy football specific social media is always going to evolve. You know, it's just the nature of it. So I'm, I'm excited and well, nobody better out there than Tyler. And I, I think for me, man, I'm someone who I, I enjoy Twitter. We do a lot of communication on Twitter as a team. So it's kind of a necessity. But outside of that, like Patreon, Discord, like there's so many other apps I would rather just not have to download. So now that I, we can get the Fantasy Football Advice Forum app in the App Store or also just on the desktop at fantasyfootballadvice.com as well, like it, to me, it makes sense. I don't have time to be going to 10 different platforms. I, like, I've tried, man. Like I have Discord, I have, you know, I have Slack, I have Instagram, and I have all those things. I can't keep up. Like I, if I was just on, you know, if I was able to just be on social media all day, then yeah, that'd be great. But like, I just, like I tried threads and I can't keep up there. I mean, I just, yeah. Yeah. um, Well, this is the way, man. No. So that's why that's a great, it's a great model. 100%. It is slick as hell. Congrats to them and their team. Let's look at some questions we got from the forum this weekend, Scott. And it is, who are you taking here? Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, or James Connor. We're going to presume this is PPR redraft. This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. I know you've been high on Joe Mixon all offseason. However, you know, we're a charge away from him being, you know, maybe not on the Bengals. So it is risky to say the least. And I feel like Aaron Jones is a very safe pick, but does he offer the upside with AJ Dillon in the backfield? So um, I still, I like all three of these running backs. Um, You know, I would be where, where I have them going. um, I would be happy to get either of the three. Um, the way I have it ranked is Mixon followed by Aaron Jones, followed by James Conner. Same. Spend enough, spend enough time on these rankings that I'm going to talk about, it. but no, um, I have Joe Mixon right around RB 12. I have Aaron Jones at RB 15 and I have James Conner right around RB 20. So that's kind of the, the shakeout where I have, where I have them. So that based on that, I'm going with Joe Mixon first, um, with Joe Mixon. I mean, I know, his, his points per game was massively influenced by a crazy 53-point yes, week last week. Absolutely I get was. it. Um, and I'm not ignoring that. But, I mean, just the, the volume he's going to see, I just I can't ignore it. I don't care if it's not sexy. I don't care if his yards per carry isn't a lot. 
you know, he's just, he's one of those guys that spent like in a couple of the leagues that, that I, if I start out with a couple of receivers and he's sitting there in the third round or even the fourth round in some cases, um, he's, he's a running back. I am fine with being my RB one. If I start out with some receivers, just because volume runs the day, volume rules the day, man, with running backs. Yeah. Unless he gets yeah. hurt. There's no, there's some AJP Rand's gone. Um, and we, we can't act like Aaron Jones is the most consistent running back either. I mean, his totals in the past have been inflated by a two, a three touchdown game multiple times. So I'm with you. I am going Joe Mixon in this scenario. Um, I'm going to shoot. I'm I'm a player. I usually shoot for the upside. Joe Mixon has the upside to me, Um, but you can't go wrong with Aaron Jones. He is a value this, this season, I think for the first time in a while. And I, and I love James Conner. I've loved James Conner. The whole, the story I've, I've always rooted for him. If he was just on a better offense, he would, he would be higher. You know, it's just at a certain point, even if he's the bell cow, quote unquote, you know, you got to ding him for being on a train wreck of an offense. So that's why he's third here for me. Yep. I agree with you there, man. Uh, let's go to another question. This one is pick one keeper, Scott, full PPR okay. bonuses for long TDs and 100-yard games. For a seventh rounder, you can keep either Alexander Madison, Romeo Dobbs, Jahan Dotson, or Brandon Ayuk. Or in the eighth round, you can keep James Cook. So I love keeper leagues. Keeper leagues, mm-hmm. I think, should be more and more common because they, to me, like I have a keeper league that I do with Kyle and a bunch of friends from our student newspaper a couple years ago in college. And it is one of my favorite, favorite leagues. So when I'm looking at it here, why I like a lot of these players, you know me, guys. I love Jahan Dotson. I love me some Brandon Ayuk this year as well. However, Alexander Madison seems like the clear pick to me here, Scott, uh, just because he has the highest ADP value. He's going around 61 on ESPN compared to Brandon Ayuk 74th. I might li- like Ayuk a little bit more, but I-, I think Madison is the highest valued player. And you can get Ayuk maybe not for a seventh round, but about a sixth round pick right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on how you want to look at it. Like if you're looking at it based on where is this player's ADP and where can I get them? Then yes, Madison is technically the, probably the best value, but as far as how I have these players ranked, um, especially if it's all the same pick a seventh rounder, I'm, I'm team Ayuk here. I've got a, I would have Ayuk over Madison. I'm low on Madison. I might be just too I am low too, on Madison, be, but I, I am would, too. I would honestly probably take Jahan Dotson over Madison, if I'm being honest with myself. Yeah, I have no Madison, and I have a shit ton of Dotson and a little bit of Ayuk. And to be fair, like, it's just like I've been fading Madison because I thought Dwayne McBride could be the guy, and, and he isn't the guy, obviously. He's not even on the team. So It's Ty um, Chandler's. Ty Chandler yeah. season. <laughs> apparently um so, so you're going iuk here you wouldn't mm-hmm. even consider james cook in, in the eighth either I, I mean i would i would james cook is another player that i've spent a lot of time looking at um and sometimes you know it's it's similar to a few weeks ago when we were talking about rashad white um you know it's i i i have faded james cook from the from the standpoint of i think he was being hyped up too much as this three down you know league winner for the bills um I was doing that. So I, 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 you know, I've, to me, you know, it's the same, it's this, it's a similar situation. You know, he's never had more than I think 113 carries in any season since maybe high school. So why all of a sudden is it going to just magically happen at the NFL level? So that's part of it. But 
again, that fading where he is going now, I'm it's back into a, you know, potential value. Like, it's not that I don't like James Cook. It's just that I didn't like where he was going and what was being expected. So honestly, I would consider James Cook with an eighth rounder. Um, I mean, I'd probably rank this. Let's see if I had to rank this. Ayuk, Cook, Dotson, Madison, Dobbs. Okay. That's probably right. how I would rank it. All right. We appreciate the question over there on the forum. We got DD in the chat tonight as well. What's up, DD? Thanks for stopping in tonight and saying hello to us. Hope you're having a great Tuesday evening as the summertime rolls around. All right. Dynasty tight ends. Who are you taking here, Scott? Last question from the forum tonight before we get into the all-in selections. This one's Sam Laporta. Not, this one's not fair. <laughs> Don Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, or Michael Mayer. And it's so crazy because months and months ago, I would have absolutely taken Michael Mayer. Yep. And then Don Kincaid got taken by the Bills, and he started to kind of rise up my ranks as well. And now Sam Laporta's flashing. He could be the number two option early in the season for a Detroit team that is projected to score a shit ton of points points here so a lot's happened here a lot has happened since the last time we've discussed these tight ends who are you taking scott um hmm. for me it, it's between kincaid and laporta that's the two i'm deciding between but man i love all four um it's it is crazy because at that same time you were no-brainer michael mayer i was too but he's fourth on this list for me right now um, I think I did a bunch of research into rookie tight ends over this off season. I had just never done it myself. I'd always heard the, Oh, rookie tight ends are terrible. And the rookie, or, you know, that first year and it's true, you know, it's true. So probability, you know, if we're just looking at probabilities of one of these guys being like a top five tight end this year, probability is low, but that's the thing yes. about probabilities and historical trends. It's, it's not a surefire thing. I in looking at these guys a little bit more and also listening to people like Coop Fiasco and a bunch of other people who, you know, study the tight end position a lot more than me. I think we are about to be, the NFL is about to be infused in one season with the, you know, the future, you know, a lot of the future tight ends uh, in, uh, for fantasy purposes. And it's this list right here. Um, I think we're going to look back and be like, holy crap, that tight end class 2023 was insane. Um, but in redraft it. in year one, um, I'm, I think I'm going with Kincaid. Um, you know, dynasty to me, like I said, what's that dynasty and redraft. Oh, wait, we were talking about dynasty. Um, yeah, I think I'm still, I'm still, I think I'm still team Kincaid. Um, I am too. Yeah. I mean, Laporte is close. They're both, they're both in really good offenses. Um, but the thing is, is Luke Musgrave's getting a lot of hype as being this really good tight end in green Bay too. So, I mean, you know, it, it would it would depend a little bit on cost. Like, there'd be one thing where I probably would be okay taking Luke, Luke Musgrave, at, you know, at a discount compared to the other two. Um, yeah, maybe I'm not super in on Michael Mayer. I haven't really even said his name. So, but yeah, I'm long, very long story, long-winded story short. I'm taking Kincaid first on this list in Dynasty. Okay. I am with you, but the margin for Laporta is right after him. Like, yeah, I would be... It's close. Yes, I'd be very happy with Laporta. And I mean, redraft. he went to Iowa. What are we doing here? He went to Iowa. like Tight end factory, how baby. Is he not tight end, tight end university. <laughs> redraft still Kincaid for you because yeah. redraft year one, I think I might go I might go uh, Laporta. 
I, Laporte I, is a guy, and I'm probably going to do this. I know none of my league mates in my home league are listening because they have no idea I even do this. Um, <laughs> Laporte is probably a guy. He went undrafted in 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 a redraft league, which that makes sense. Um, and I grabbed. I kind of waited. I was the last one to take a tight end, um, and I took Njoku. But I might, if I got a spot, I might just toss Laporte on the end of the bench there and see what happens. You know what I mean? Kincaid got drafted, so I might just. I might just top, toss Laporta on there and see what happens. Chiefs, The Chiefs were dog shit against tight ends last season. So I think week one, uh, we might see a little Laporta sighting early on. Uh, don't forget TJ Hawkinson, his first career game. He came down with a tutty or two. Oh, yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember that. I remember yes. that. So let's close it out here. Uh, appreciate the Fantasy Football Advice Network, fantasyfootballadvice.com, for sponsoring that segment. Let's go ahead. Let's jump into the all-in picks here in some temperature check. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy All right. And this party just got a little (sighs) bit bigger as we welcome in our other co-host of the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast, a man who runs a charity league. That raises thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for so many great causes. It's our guy, Eric Romoff. Eric, thanks for making time for us yet again on your week off. Yeah, happy happy to do it. I'm, I'm gone, but never all that far away. Happy to jump in and chat a little bit. Even when I don't get the invite to pop in <laughs> on my week off, you can find me up in those comments. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We appreciate you, Eric. And it's funny because even before you were a regular co-host on this podcast, you were someone who we would bring in frequently as a guest. And last season, you actually were here on your on our all-ins episode. So how are you feeling year two? You had a pretty good, pretty good showing in year one, better than a lot of us. So how are you feeling as we uh, hit 2023 here? Man, I, I come in with the with the burden of expectation. Um, I was I was trying to recall <laughs> exactly what my flag plants were when we were on last year, and as we were as we were going back and reviewing the tape, pretty uh, pretty happy with how that played out. I'm I'm trying to trying to make a repeat performance in 2023. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Eric had DK Metcalf. He was the wide receiver 16 last year, and Raheem Mostert, who was a nice value at RB 25, and Albert. Albert's in the chat. He's happy to see you, as always. Um, Scott, not so great for you last year, unfortunately. Myself as well. Uh, Kyle Pitts Pitts and Juju were your all-ins. Kyle Pitts, tight end 33. Injury, a big part of that. Um, But just a terrible shit show down there in Atlanta. Juju, like, did he return ADP? Yeah, he returned ADP pretty much. But, like, you know, didn't do too much more than that. Not a win for an all-in pick by any means. And you've gotten fucked over. We talked about it earlier. Two years in a row with injury. In 2021, Chris Carson and Robert Woods both, both played better. and kind of like ended their careers, honestly, like from a, a, a... So now I'm a little bit worried about my all-in picks wow. for tonight. The kiss and the Madden cover curse that seems to be materializing. <laughs> I've been doing all-in... I've been doing all-in picks for about five years now. And since I started podcasting back in the day and I'll, I'll quickly run through them. Like I, I will say, Scott, like, don't, don't be, don't be too hard on yourself. Cause I've had a lot of swing and misses too, man. It happens every single year. Injuries are a part of this thing. Unpredictability is a part of it. 
Uh, started off great 2018, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver eight, Adam Thielen, wide receiver seven, Tyler Boyd, James Conner the year after that, not so great. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver five in 2020, my one claim to fame. Uh, also Zach Ertz, tight end 31 that year. So uh, TJ Hawkinson was in 2021, him and Montgomery didn't go so well that year, kind of just averaged, didn't even return ADP value for the most part. And then last year, boys, A.J. Dillon and Jerry Judy, uh, could you say they returned value? Maybe, but not was AJ it like, Dillon. yeah, what, what, no. what was it? Was it sexy? No, nothing not about all. AJ Dillon was a win for anybody last year. No, I drafted him over like Josh Jacobs in a couple leagues. I was hype on AJ oh. Dillon. Uh, so, so, you, know, you said that out loud, right? Seth? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I own my mistakes. I own no, my I'm mistakes. Just kidding. I drafted so, him with, you know, a lot of people did not over Josh Jacobs, just higher. Yes. So Eric, we kind of defined all in picks earlier, but these are players that we want to leave our drafts with. Like the ones we have circled once circled twice and highlighted through, man. Like these are the players that we're willing to kind of stake a little bit of uh, a a little bit of our name on them. You know, these players become a part of us. We ride or we die with them. Um, So I'm going to give you the floor, my man, where do you want to take us here? And also how are you doing this evening down in Texas? Has it cold off at all? Because like every time I talk to you, it's still like 135, Ooh. and it's like 70, and with a nice breeze right here. Y'all, it <laughs> is officially winter. I have my long sleeves on. It is <laughs> below 100 degrees. It is 98 degrees Whoa. right now. It is damn near chilly. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the night. I've, I I might have right, to get a you heater should back get a here. fire. You should get a fire going. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I, I can just burn some old furniture to keep warm, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm doing well. Uh, Seth, like you mentioned off the top, I am in the midst of our, I guess, the close of our fundraising season. So we still yes. have a little bit of fundraising that we're doing with Pros with Joes. We also are doing our matchmaking and all of the cat herding that comes along with notifying winners and getting everyone into leagues and what have you. So a uh, busy part of the year, but not too busy to sit down and break down or break out my uh, my all-in players, one of which was actually a topic of conversation in the IBT Guillotine League. 16-team league, this this one is, uh, is, is an interesting format. It's super deep. It's super competitive. Wanted to make a big splash. My first running back off the board in the third round was none other than Damian Pierce, one of my all-in guys for this year. His ADP, at least on aggregate, is in like the mid-60s. He's like a fifth or a sixth-round pick. He's RB20 coming off the board. And the thing with Damian Pierce, we all we all rode the hype wave last year uh, when Marlon Mack got cut, and it seemed like he had the inside track for the job. And by and large, he did a lot of the things that you would want him to do as a rookie stepping into this starting role his first year in, in Houston. He did only play 13 games. He kind of battled injury throughout the season. But despite that, had almost a 74% opportunity share. So they made it very clear that he was the primary back in this backfield, could do a little bit after contact, you know, had had a decent number of breakaway runs, you know, didn't exactly have that, you know, that um, that leave you in the dust speed of, a, of mm-hmm. a true home run hitter. But, you know, he can make some guys miss. He can do a little bit. And the thing that, that really makes me bullish on Damian Pierce is – as it was last year heading into this year, the question was, is he going to take a larger role in the passing game? 
They brought in Devin Singletary in free agency, one yes, of sir. the better pass blockers uh, at the running back position last year. And that seemed to be signal that they were probably going to keep Damian in that early down kind of goal line work type of role. We thought, we thought, right? Yeah, so we thought that the preseason has showed us anything but that, right? Uh, over the course of the two games that he's played, the Texans sat their starters in the first week of the preseason. He has been on the field every single snap with all of the starters. And most importantly, eight snaps in week two, five snaps in week five, where they were in a passing situation. He ran a route on 11 of those 12 plays, those passing plays in the preseason. And in that 12th play where he wasn't running a route, he picked up the critical block to protect C.J. Stroud and to keep or spring Nico Collins for the eventual touchdown. So very clearly the Texans are finding ways to get him integrated into the pass game. And sitting at running back 20, he's he's kind of baked into productivity around where he finished last year. If he just gets incrementally more involved on passing downs as a pass catcher, I, I think that he's got tremendous upside and, and can bring a ton of value at that ADP. Damian Pierce is one of those players all offseason. I've been playing a little like put your right foot in, put your right foot. In. You know what I mean? Like I've been playing that game <laughs> w- w- with Damian Pierce all offseason. And I-, I loved what I saw during the preseason, man. Like Singletary was clearly the running back too. Not th- not that involved in the in the passing game as I thought he was going to be either. They ran him up the middle quite a bit. So, Scott, I know you faded Damian Pierce, but you even kind of touched on it earlier. You're coming back around. I'm slowly starting to come back around. I still think there's a couple running backs behind him I like, but I, I respect the shot here, Eric. And uh, unlike Hoove in the chat of that draft, I do not want to drug Ooh. test you for this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 no, no pissing in a cup here, Eric. You're good, buddy. Plenty of other reasons to drug test me besides my <laughs> Damien Pierce love. No, I, I said it in that same chat. I was like, you know, the fact that everybody was kind of clowning that pick or maybe just hoof, but uh, I, in my experience <laughs> in so many years of fantasy football, I've done that before and it seems to always bite me. Like anybody I'm like, Oh, that was a terrible pick ends up being great. And I look like a fool. So I joke that maybe I'll move him up just because of that. No, I do. I do. I have, I have warmed a little bit on Damian Pierce. Um, but my warming on Damian Pierce is, you know, potentially getting me to agree with RB 20, not going past RB 20. I do. I mean, the points about the preseason are great, but again, I don't know enough. I haven't studied enough preseason to know, okay, does that mean that's how it's going to be? Or can't imagine that like Devin Singletary is just going to ride the bench. So my issue with Damian Pierce, and it still remains kind of the issue, is he did have that opportunity share last year. And it's still with, in my opinion, a less competitive group of colleagues with the running backs they had last year. Not, you yeah. know, what happened in the preseason that we just saw, notwithstanding, um, is that he was still only able to muster that RB22 or whatever it was. So if that opportunity share, I just maybe it goes up. It's hard for me to bank on that it's going to go up with Devin Singletary there. That being said, I also have to take into account last year he was a rookie. Running backs improve. You know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you know, so anyway, so I'm warming. I, I, I had him lower. I'm, I'm slowly moving up with him uh, to where I'd be fine taking him where he's going. That's because of you, Eric. That's because of it you. It kind of is. You kind of, yeah, it really is a lot because of you, Eric. 
on, honestly, you guys have had the same effect with me with regard to all Steelers. I was just outright fade them, and now I'll at least consider them. And I, I think you can chalk that up as a win. Hey, that's good. That's because you're you up in Pennsylvania now on this show, baby. To each you're other out in the cabin. <laughs> we drink our... bush light up in these parts. It was the bush lights we had out in Canton. There, that was, was. that was it the changed, reason. It changed my hearts and minds. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Eric did give me a very, very proper segue in the industry here uh talk about some Steelers players and and folks I I gotta do it I I'm going with my guy Pat Fryermuth right now 82 overall ESPN ADP that is a late seventh early eighth round tight end nine off the board and listen we're gonna take this like a court case because Pat Fryermuth has been disrespected his entire career including coming into this season the suspect was targeted 98 times last season, fifth most at the position. And that was in a Steelers offense that, let's be honest, was pretty underwhelming, guys. Only passed the ball 55% of the time, scored 18.1 points per game. That's the sixth least amount. With how Kenny Pickett looked at the end of last season and early in the preseason, I expect the passing volume to go up and the points per game to go up here. And this means more volume for the offense and more scoring opportunities. And let's not forget, folks, Pat Fryermuth scored two total touchdowns last season. What we've seen from Pat Fryermuth has not been the ceiling. We, we've never seen the ceiling from. We've seen consistency. Um, guys, I, I know you love Tom Strocken over there at Fantasy Pros. He's uh, he's he's one of the U- UK uh, oh, yeah, he's, guys in the industry. One of, one of my favorites, yeah. Dude is a fucking weapon with stats. Reminds me a lot of you, Scott. And he put together a little bit of a consistency report on the position. Fryermuth was one of four tight ends to have over 80 yards in at least six games. Kelsey, Goddard, Andrews. That's the crowd he's in. However, what he didn't have was the ceiling. He only had over three three games over 15 points per game. So that's what we haven't seen throughout his career has been that high ceiling in Fryermuth. He's actually only ever scored over 16 points once in his career. That was his rookie season. But I think now that he's going to see a little bit more volume, we got Darnell Washington out there who can take some of that pass blocking role away from him, use Fryermuth a little bit in the slot, different areas. And w- with what we've seen out of Kenny Pickett in this system, it's case closed for me. I think Pat Fryermuth going tight end nine is a criminal offense here, gentlemen. And he should be considered by everybody drafting here this weekend. Yeah, I mean – we were talking about it before the show. Like if I'm missing out on those, that, you know, the top tier tight ends, you know, usually when you get to about tight end, tight end nine, tight end 10, right in that range in any given year, I'm just like, uh, eh. I'll wait. But yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a target. Yeah. He's a target. If I can, if I can wait on tight end and land him at that, at that spot, at tight end nine, then I'm stoked. I'm happy about it. I mean, I feel like there's going to be some positive touchdown regression. You know, I don't think his ceiling is just capped forever because of what it's been. Um, and I just I, I think the Steelers offense is going to be better than than anyone thought, except we Seth st- and Herms. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We still got Matt Canada back there fucking calling plays for Eric's fucking, you know, f- fifth grade flag football. Team, They're just but- going to unplug his alarm clock. <laughs> but other than that, man, like, yeah, I- I'm excited about about the Steelers. And I think Pat Fryermuth, man, like I'm willing to lay it on the line with him and he is one of my favorite players in the league, so there's a little bit of bias coming. But honest to God, like I really think 
we're going to see that ceiling now. He's been one of the most consistent tight ends his first two years in the league, which is very hard to do. And now we're going to see the, the Steelers score more. And I think it's going to lead some big youth games here. So how you feeling, Eric? How you feeling about the lures now? You getting excited for my, my little lures? <laughs> yeah, like, like I said before, I don't know if I'm getting excited, but I'm I'm at least open to the idea of rostering some lures. Um, the uh, the name that you that you invoked is the is the one to talk about for me, right? Like, I feel like Pat Firemuth's role in this offense is pretty well defined, right? We've now got a two year sample size of how they want to use him, but overall, if Matt Canada and this offense are improving, if their trajectory is pointing up. I think that means very good things for Pat Fryermuth and you know to a to varying extents seen some promising signs in that regard in these preseason games, right? Like thus far in his tenure as Steelers offensive coordinator at least, he's running out these very archaic kind of vanilla concepts that are easy to defend against and there's not a whole lot of progression or you know ways to scheme guys open in the preseason it it's looking a bit more modern. I think Matt Canada might have uh, might have hit the film room and, and added a few tricks to his bag. So if if that trend holds into the season, then I think that means good things for the Steelers offense overall. And then you can really start extrapolating some of the the sample size that we have with Firemuth thus far into a pretty impressive season. Certainly a very solid return on tight end nine to ADP. Appreciate that. Appreciate the support there, Eric. Um, Scott, I know you don't want to talk about Damian Pierce, but I think you do want to talk about a couple players here. Uh, so I'll give you the floor. Who is your first all-in selection of 2023? What is going to be a bounce-back year for you, Munder Dufflin? It's going to be. Um, so I'm going to talk, you know, at first when I picked this player, I was like, man, I've talked and researched this player so much this offseason. But then I was like, well, then that makes sense that he'd be one of my all-in guys. And it's Saints wide receiver Chris Olave. Um, he's my, he's my all in, um, I've done a ton of research into him. You know, I've, uh, he's his sleeper ADP is wide receiver 12. That's where I have him. And on Twitter, you know, I've had conversations, interactions where people are like, Nope, I'm, I'm out. I'm not drafting somebody at their ceiling. And I don't That's think me. wide receiver 12 is Chris Olave's ceiling. Um, and there, there's a very, there's a very specific reason why there's a couple of other factors that go into it too. New Orleans saints, according to my nerdy fantasy strength of schedule that I did a bunch on have the easiest schedule for wide receivers, fantasy wide receivers um, across the board. So there's that quarterback upgrade in Derek, Derek Carr. I don't care what anybody says. Derek Carr is a quarterback upgrade for the New Orleans saints. Michael Thomas is not going to be old Michael Thomas. I think even people in the organization have said he's not the same old Michael Thomas. And we've got some, I like Rashid Shahid. He's a great story. He's a good deep threat, but to me, it's just Jags. Um, so I think Chris Olave is going to dominate that passing game. But here is the stat that I keep going back to. So bear with me for just one sec. I will be as fast as I can. I looked at all rookie wide receivers since 2010 who had a target share above 10% in their rookie year. So that's the player pool. I'm that's, a lot of, that's a lot of players. There's a ton of receivers like. in this player pool. So Chris Olave was top 10 in target share, receiving yard share, uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt, air yard share, and PFF receiver grade, those categories. He okay. was top 10. There are a couple other, there are only a handful of other receivers who were also top 10 across all five of those categories. That, that, those receivers are Odell Beckham Jr., Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, and Jamar Chase, and Terry McLaurin. 
So again, it's a little bit of, it seems a little bit like cherry picking while I just pick these stats, but to make a five different metrics since 2010 to share with those receivers and those receivers only, who if you average their year two, it's 17.7. It's like wide receiver seven or eight. I just think he's super special. I think he's a special receiver. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going out on a limb a little bit with these metrics, but I think wide, wide receiver 12, not necessarily his floor, but I think his ceiling is well within the wide receiver one group. So he's my all in, baby. Chris Olave. God damn. I've been out here fading Chris Godwin or Chris Olave. You were the biggest Olave guy last year, too. I, I I love the player. I just don't like the price tag. And that's that's for me what I what I struggle with. But I mean, damn, Scott, you make some compelling arguments there. I just worry that you might get more of the Terry McLaurin this year than the Jamar Chase. And that's the risk. You know, that's the risk with any kind of research. But even, yeah, but even that's not not the worst risk. So Chris Olave, Scott, I I, I think you're on the right path here, man. You're going with some youth. You're going with some young upside here. Um, I'm going to, let's give it to you again, man. We're going to go double dip here. Who is your other all-in selection for this season? So this one one surprised you because we haven't really talked a lot about this player. And yeah. honestly, I, I, I sifted through multiple players to pick my second all-in. But I arrived at this one, and it's it's a rookie. It's another young wide receiver. He's going to be playing in Minnesota. His name's Jordan Addison. Um, I just think he comes into – first of all, before the draft, he was, you know, he was a top level – you know, he, he, cro- he checks off so many boxes of the college statistical profile, the things we look for, breakout age, early declare, you know, um, and all, and then a lot of other advanced metrics I don't really want to get into right now, but he was a very good prospect, very good prospect profile. And I think it's one of the better landing spots that he could have had in Minnesota because yes, Justin Jefferson's there, but you know, it's the timeless argument. Is that going to pull, you know, the double team's going to pull coverage away and Jordan Addison will feast. You know, I think there's going to be a little bit of that. I don't think it's always that cut and dry, but he's playing on a Vikings team that was, had the third highest pass rate last year. I don't see any reason why that would change this year. Their defense got worse. They have, in my opinion, significantly downgraded their RB position. Um, and they're, they're in a, if you look at the NFC North, you might say it's not the best division in the world, but it's going to be a freaking competitive division to, to, you know, to slug that out. So they're going to be, you know, if they fall, I just see a lot of passing volume for the Vikings this year. And I think Addison's going to, I think he's going to feast on it. I think his, his current sleeper wide his rank of wide wide receiver 37 is an scorching deal. Um, you know, he's a rookie. That's part of the reason why he's, he's got a yes. bit of a discount. So there's obvious risk involved. We haven't seen him at the NFL NFL level yet, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. He's a guy, he's a guy where he's going. If somebody grabs him when I was going to, he's one of those guys I'm pissed that he got. <laughs> wide receiver 42 on ESPN too. So, even, yeah, so he's even way a- down there. Better, better value there. Eric, any thoughts on Jordan Addison here? We know this guy likes speed. We know he cares about his dog. We've, we've, we've seen both those things. But can he put it together on an NFL field? That's my question. I I mean, I, w- I was the one rushing to the table a couple years ago to draft Justin Jefferson when really no one else was in that 2020 draft. I'm a little more skittish on Addison. I, I I don't know why. Where do you kind of fall in, in into this? Yeah, there was a there was a point where his ADP was uh, measurably higher than it is right yes. now. And, oh, and yeah, at agreed. that point, I had similar kind of feels. Right, like 
you know, we we've kind of gotten spoiled over the last two or three years uh, to do with rookie wide receivers coming in and just immediately exploding, right? Like you look prior to 2019 or so, and that was far and away the exception over these yes. last few years. It feels like yes. it's become the rule. But, you know, where he sits now, I, I think his price tag is super reasonable. And I think the points that Scott hit really, really underscore the the things to consider with regard to Addison, right? Over 100 targets vacated with Adam Thielen out the door. This is still one of the highest pass volume offenses in the entire NFL. This defense looks like it's going to be a turnstile again. So we're going to see a lot of high scoring games, right? Like, you know, whether whether Jefferson is there, you know, either hurts his opportunity or helps his defensive coverage and, and alignment, you know, that remains to be seen. But if that volume baseline is there consistently, that's that's really the foundation that you're looking for for someone to potentially take that opportunity and make a lot with it. So at a menial price tag, this this feels like a calculated risk that I'm comfortable taking. And I will say, boys, I just got my first share of the guy in Dynasty last week. So hey. was not playing. Guess what just happened in the IBT draft? You just took Jordan Addison, it, huh? No, is Stacy watching? He just took him two picks before me. Oh, oh so I'm going to give official. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to take him live on air after doing uh, my own and then Stacy took him. The show is ruined. Thanks, Stacy. Appreciate you. Um, I'll just take Rashad White instead. <laughs> All right, Eric, I'm going back to you, man. What do you got for us? You were two for two last year with your all-ins, man. I think they really paid off at the price tag you were getting them. Can't, where are you taking us here? Where are the vibes sending us? The vibes are sending us out to the West Coast, to the best coast, and that is to Keenan Allen over in La La Land. Um, look, this this guy has been an absolute dog throughout his entire career, right? Like you look through his, his game logs over the course of his, uh, you know, several year career. And on a per game basis, he is routinely pushing wide receiver one value. And now here in 2023, we can get him at fantastic price tag overall. He's basically going as a fourth rounder, you know, sometimes well into the fourth round. So, a lot of the argument for Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is value-based. I do think that he's one of the safest floor receivers in the game. And a lot of that has to do with his underlying skill set, right? He is a absolute tactician. He is a monster route runner, maybe has some of the best feet in the game. He can just create separation and get open seemingly at will, right? Like all the things you're looking for. But you also have to keep in mind, you know, Keenan Allen – managers are probably a little snake bit from last year. He obviously missed a lot of time, but when he returned in week 11, dude went off, almost scored 19 points per game from weeks 11 to week 18. I was tied for number two among wide receivers in that same time span, only behind Devonte Adams and Justin Jefferson. So Damn. clearly he's still got plenty of gas in the tank. And a lot of this has to do with me just being generally bullish on what this chargers offense will be under Kellen Moore, right? I've that's the, on that's these airways. The yes, I've expressed my concern with regard to Austin Eckler and what his role will be now that Kellen Moore is here, right? Moore's not going to drop it down and dink and dunk and 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 cut off to the running back nearly as much as we saw with Lombardi in prior years. And specifically, 
We haven't been able to see it in preseason because the Chargers aren't playing any of their starters. But if yeah. you're watching any of their their film from camp, you can see that Keenan Allen, yes, he's still seeing plenty of time in the slot, but he's also getting used in different ways than how he was in the previous incarnations of the, these offenses, right? He's running more vertically downfield. He'll line up to the slot, but then break outside, right? Like it looks like in this in this limited film that we're seeing, it looks like he's kind of using them the way that he used C.D. Lamb. And if that upside is on his range of outcomes, getting that in the late fourth round is tremendous. So he is a player that I am woefully overexposed to. If he gets injured again, <laughs> knock on wood like candles, throw salt, whatever uh, superstition you believe in. I'm going down with that ship, but I think this is this sets up for not only you know another safe floor year with Keenan Allen, but arguably the highest and most attainable upside, at least in recent memory, that I've seen with him. Keenan Allen, I think, is a name. I don't know if this season of the podcast, the season of the podcast started in February. I don't know if we've spoken his name at all. Like he's one of those guys I feel like who's really That's slid me. under the radar. Kind of looking him right now over on ESPN, wide receiver 18. So right behind Calvin Bridley, Amari Cooper, Hopkins. Eric, are you taking him over all those guys? I am, yeah. Scott, what about you? Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, Amari, Hopkins. Where in that range do you go? And are you picking up what Eric is putting down here? I am most definitely picking it up. Um, I love this call. Um, I agree with everything Eric said. I mean, there was a running joke for a while uh, with Keenan Allen. He would always finish as the points per game wide receiver 11 every year. He was wide (laughs) receiver 11. I haven't, I haven't met wide receiver 11. It's a little oh. bit, it, it's a little bit ambitious. I remember when I first did my rank, my rankings, I was like, man, that's pretty high for Keenan Allen. That's higher than most people. But I was just like, you know what? I did the process. This is what I think. I have him definitely higher than Hopkins and definitely higher than Amari Cooper. Um, not at, you know, he's higher than Ridley for me, not by as much, but yeah, yeah I mean, I have him in as a wide receiver one. So I'm fully on board with his price tag. At what, what what wide receivers you said 18 17 in that range is that yes. what it was yeah 30 yep. 36 overall uh wide receiver 18 yeah i'm i'm fully on board with that price look at eric coming in here off the just just coming in here and ripping it up we appreciate that man um i'll round us out i guess uh, i i got one yeah. more for us and listen i've been battling this decision folks i've been battling this decision for weeks days hours leading up to tonight i I had a couple names on my list that i I absolutely love and i had to go with my heart here i'm going with uh, something i've never done here in the all ends i'm going one with a rookie in the past i've wanted to call my shots on rookies justin jefferson garrett wilson Brees hall last year i never called the shot and i end up regretting not calling the shot So I'm going all in on a rookie and I'm going all in on a quarterback because I have the cojones this year, baby. Strap them up. 13 of the 14 QBs who have posted 125 plus carries in a season have had QB one seasons. And that's what I'm expecting here out of Anthony fucking Richardson, folks. He, he like all he's got to do here is average eight carries a game. To hit that measure. That's what 125 carries across 16 games would look like. Who averages that, you might ask? 
Jalen Hurts. Where? Wow, Jalen Hurts averages 11 rushing, uh, r- rushing attempts per game last season. Shane Steichen was his coach. He's coming here now to Indianapolis. Justin Fields, 10.7. Lamar Jackson, 9.3. Josh Allen, 7.8. Danny Dimes, 7.5. I think Richardson's in, like, obviously going to have 125 plus rushing totals as long as you stay healthy here. And this is like the highest, highest rated player we've ever seen. The most athletic player to ever play this position, it looks like. And I think they're going to run him. And I know it wasn't always a great preseason for Anthony Richardson, but he showed great pocket awareness. He showed veteran pocket awareness, which to me is huge. He also showed some accuracy on some deep balls, which I really like. He, and he's got the, the wide receivers to fit those deep balls. Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman, those are downfield weapons. I, I think Anthony Richardson has the talent there He around him. This offensive line sucked fucking ass under Frank Wright. I think Frank Wright might be part of the problem. I think they're back to it here this season. And I am comfortable saying that Anthony Richardson looked better this preseason passing the ball than Justin Fields did. I don't think we're, I'm expecting a Justin Fields type season from Anthony Richardson, uh, at least of last season where he's a QB five, QB six, but think about Jalen hurts, his rookie year and kind of what we saw at the end of it. Expect more of that. Expect some up and down games. But I think at the end of the day, Anthony Richardson is a low-end QB1 with a mid-QB1 ceiling. And on ESPN right now, he is QB16, 131 overall. End of the 11th round is where you can get Anthony Richardson. If If I don't get one of these top four or five quarterbacks, I am comfortable waiting and taking my shot on Anthony Richardson. Maybe pair him with a veteran, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, Jared Goff, someone in that range. But I'm taking the shot all day, baby. AR, let's go. I mean, you know how I feel. You're in the same boat, baby. You and Noah are part of the uh, AR in the third round of SFB club. So I'm with you. I I mean, I'm with you. Like, you know, fantasy football is about taking risks. It's about chasing ceilings. And there potentially isn't, you know, many higher ceilings in the league than this, than this kid potentially. So, you know, I'm no matter what hooves burner says, um, I'm all good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down and it's the exact same strategy. You know, I, I'm not ballsy enough to just take him as my only QB and just, you know, light my boat on fire and send it out to sea potentially, but pairing him up with, especially in redraft, pairing him up with a, a quarterback, that's going to be somebody's streamer, not going to probably get drafted. Totally fine with that. You know, pairing him up with a Goff, a Cousins, a Rogers if he's still there, potentially Daniel Jones if he falls, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, so I think the measured approach is exactly what you said, right? Like take that kind of safe and upside pairing with Anthony Richardson and one of these more um, kind of commoditized replacement level quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But I am willing to burn the ships behind me. If we're talking about single quarterback, like – Give me all the Anthony, Anthony Richardson, knowing that if something goes sideways, I can go get Russell Wilson or Jared Goff off the wire, right? Like, there's really no reason not to swing for the fences. And you you mentioned the Justin Fields comp. Obviously, that is you know the predominant comp that's out there. You know, candidly, I, I think I think it's a little bit short sighted. But what I will say first to Hooves Burner, 
the Colts can <laughs> absolutely not win anything just like the Bears did. And Anthony Richardson can have a plenty productive season in his rookie campaign. But I, I think the thing that's that's materially different here, Justin Fields was in his second year last season, and he was about a third of the way through the season before they really unlocked him, right? And a lot of that had to do with the coaching staff and their willingness to let him play to his skill set and to let him do more in the offense. You mentioned Shane Sykin earlier. I think he's going to let Anthony Richardson uncork it from the get-go. I agree. Right? I so, think it's going to be out of the gate. Yeah, like yeah. immediately. We want to – like. We drafted this guy because he is an athletic freak of freak of nature. Like let's let's let him go out there and be him. There are going to be bumps along the road. It's probably going to yes. turn the ball over a fair amount. There are probably going to be times where you're going to look up and really hate yourself for being a psychopath like me and only drafting Anthony Richardson. <laughs> but then there's going to be a two minute drive right before that, right before the half, where he is running and picking up chunk yardage, scores the touchdown. Right, like it's going to be a roller coaster ride. But the net net of it is he's one of the few opportunities to get essentially a, a free quarterback, right? Very late round guy that has realistic potential to push into the top five, top seven of quarterbacks when it's all said and done. Eight carries. That's all we fucking need, baby. What are you doing? You guys, are you taking Anthony Richardson? Are you taking him? Yeah, are you taking him? Yeah. I wanted him. There. Uh, live on the air. All right, a little, little, little early, but you, I mean, fantasy football is supposed to be fun, especially IBT leagues. So we just talked him up. I just took him, reached for him probably, but screw it. Let's go, baby. Let's go. It, it looks up. like it's it's the group all in <laughs> pick this year. It's Anthony Richardson. We're going to run through him one more time, just give you guys the names of our all in picks, and then we'll quickly just touch on some of the honorable mentions and then get out of here. We got Chris Olave coming from Scott, as well as Jordan Addison, the rookie. And then I'm going Pat Fryermuth and Anthony Richardson. And our guy Eric, he's going Damian Pierce with a little bit of Keenan Allen love there as well. And, uh, yeah, let's talk some honorable mentions real quick. On my end, Jahan Dotson. I fucking love this guy. He is a weapon. He is an absolute monster. I don't know if I trust Riverboat Braun. That is the only issue here. That's why I don't have him here. Like, I don't know if Riverboat Ron even watches their practices. Like, I feel like he's losing a step here a little bit. So, that's why I was a little bit afraid about Dotson. But we have Terry McLaurin maybe banged up to begin the season. So, I have him everywhere. And then, yeah. Hey, what shirt you got on over there, Scott? Frisky Jets. Frisky Jets, baby. That is an IBT shirt. That will be on the site here soon. Um, But you guys know I love my Frisky Jets. Brees Hall. Like, now I love Brees Hall even more. I've been drafting him early as fuck all offseason. Early as fuck. So, you know, might might be a little bad in my end for, for doing that. But now you can get him for a fourth, fifth round pick. Like, hey, look, it's me. Like, Scott, what did I just get him? In, if you have our league pulled up, what, what did I just get him in our in our redraft league? Like, it, it, it was end of the fourth round in a 16-team league. Like, it was. Um, yeah, you got him. Where did you get him? Yeah, pick it, four, pick four, fourteen. Four fourteen. So I, I, I'm not great at math there, but but times four times fourteen, or uh, I don't know, do some math, figure it out. But love Brees Hall, and then Eric, you have on your list here as well. You like a little James Cook action. Scott was kind of shading him a little bit, but also pumped him up. Kind of kind of sketchy. Scott's in and out on him as well. Uh, what made you decide not to put James Cook in your all in pick? 
Is there one thing that just hit pause on that? Yeah, the thing that kept him out of the all-in ranks for me is is really his price tag, right? There was a point two or three weeks ago, really before the preseason kicked off, where he was going 10, 15, 18 picks later than he is yeah. now. Right now, I think he's kind of at value. If he continues to trend up, he might be a little overpriced. But, you know, the the thing with, with James Cook that really inhibited, inhibited him as a rookie was his ability to pick up pass protections this is a story as old as time with rookies coming into the into the NFL, right? Like when they start to to click there is when they see the field more and more. I thought that the Bills signaled a lot with regard to their confidence of in him in, in that area by letting Devin, Devin Singletary head out the door, right? A running back that was a fairly effective pass blocker for them last year. And thus far through the preseason, we've seen James Cook, you know, really answer the call when it comes to you know the ability to pick up protections, his involvement in the in the past game, you know we we have to mention Damian Harris coming in last week, saw four carries, all four of those carries were in the red zone. He scored the touchdown. Maybe that works to actually pull down Cook's ADP a little bit, but if nothing else, he still saw seventy percent of snaps in that game, right? Like if you look at guys that see seventy percent of snaps over the course of an NFL season, they're all like top 12, top 15 guys, right? And that's kind of already, you know, that that role for Harris or more of a bruiser back is kind of already baked into his his ADP. So I, I think there's a lot of potential with Cook, but I, I do think with how the the trend is pointing, we're probably right around the point where we shouldn't shouldn't be reaching any further for him. Okay. All right. And Scott, round it out here. Marvin Mims, what kept him out of your all-in selection? He is another rookie wide receiver here. And honestly, I don't want a lot to do with this Denver Broncos team, the way they looked the majority of the preseason up until this last week. It was a bit disturbing, honestly, um, how bad they looked at times. However, what what like what are the positives with Marvin Mims? What's the negatives? Give me the 30 so second spiel. He didn't he didn't make the he wasn't gonna make the all ins. He's too risky for me to be an all to be all in on him. Um, but I'm super high on him and I'm snatching him up wherever I can because he's going late. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't necessarily feel this way, you know, before Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy both got hurt, you know. I mean, yeah, never want to wish an injury on anybody, but that has opened up a clear path to immediate volume for Marvin Mims. I mean, he, you know, whether he's better than Cortland Sutton, I'm not necessarily willing to go there. Yeah. But, so, you know, then there's just some other pieces. I, I I realize the offense is not, you know, has not looked great, did not look great last year. So there's a little bit of risk involved there, but I think Judy's going to be out for a little while. It's a hamstring deal. He's going to be out multiple weeks. And I mean, I don't know if any, that's one, one, one area where I can share at least the experience with athletes is I've pulled hamstrings before. Ooh, they take yeah, forever. I, they take oh, forever. like dude. you just don't know. You start running on it, you're like, oh, not ready. So, you know, I just I think he's going to play right away. You know, he's he's a speed burner. He also had a very good college statistical profile. And I mean, to me, there is something very you know something to be said about Sean Payton takes over the Denver Broncos. He's like, with my first draft pick as a member of the Denver Broncos, I want Marvin Mims. So I think there's I think there's something to be said for that. So I just think he's you know he's he's going super late. I took him in a home league the other day, and man, they let me have it because they just hadn't heard of him. So, you know, I took him late. So I mean, that's why he's an honorable mention for me. I think he's he's a lottery ticket receiver that I think can return a lot of value this year. 
Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate all the great analysis. I appreciate everyone in the chat, all the comments, all the questions. If you guys aren't subscribed already to the channel, it's the easiest way to support us over here at IBT Media to bring you some feel-good lifestyle and fantasy sports analysis. Uh, Eric, Pros with Joe still accepting any any donations over there? What do we got cooking? Yeah, we're still accepting donations for about half of our league, um, the ones that are drafting later into the weekend and into next week. Um, so if you want to see those math is hard, 28 pros and the charities that they're supporting, you can check us out on Twitter it's at pros with Joe's. Um, I'll be updating our donor page on the website tonight so that only the open fundraisers are the ones that are represented there. But there's a pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter account at pros with Joe's. That's where we list out all 28 of the opportunities that are still open. Every dollar you donate is essentially an entry into a sweepstakes where the fantasy pro is the first prize. So give a little, give a lot, whatever you can spare. You're not going to miss it. And it'll do a lot of good. These organizations are crazy efficient in how they spend money. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We know we, we appreciate everything you're doing over there fighting the good cause for us. And uh, I know it's keeping you busy as well. So we appreciate you, Eric. Scott, you and I, we're going to be busy over here at IBT Media. And I know you also have your stuff over at Roto Baller um, as well as Fancy Data. So uh, we're keeping you busy, Scott. Fancy football. So it's, a, it's another full-time job for you now. We need sleep, right? Sleep later. Sleep. Yeah. Too much, too much to do. Hey, I love it. So I'm gonna, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know what I mean? Well, I love you guys. I love this show. Kyle Scott in the background, our audio producer. I love you too, oh. brother. And I appreciate this IBT family helping us continue to grow and uh, just bring the good vibes to everyone, man. We got a long season ahead. We'll be back next Tuesday. If you guys have drafts going on now or over the weekend, just enjoy them. Seriously, I, I'm going up to my home league. I, I'm doing about the four-hour commute one way on, on Friday night, and I cannot effing wait to just school these clowns, see some of my best friends that some of them I haven't seen since last year. So it it is such a magical time here. Enjoy it all. And uh, Scott, you got, you got anything else? You, you seem like you wanted to say something. Oh no, I was just agreeing with you. Like oh, home, leagues okay. are so, home leagues are so much fun. Like I yes. was getting, it's really fun to get clowned by people that have no idea what they're doing. It's just like, you just wait. You just yeah. wait. Just wait. It is It is an absolute blast. Enjoy it, guys. We'll be back next Tuesday live, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, keep it in between.